0: All right. Episode four, Launch Angle Podcast. We are back. Drew, how was your week? What did you get up to this week?
1: Yeah. um, So I guess we've done two podcasts pretty close together. So this was a week that I was in the Dominican Republic, um, just down there as part of my job, uh, helping the Rays with their sports nutrition. So got a lot of good things done. Uh, Did two presentations and, um, Worked pretty closely with the strength and conditioning staff and some other people, uh, just creating some systems. Um, yeah, can't really go into crazy specifics with a lot of things. Uh, not to be that, that guy like my job's top secret, but um, just want to be kind of mindful of that. But yeah, good week overall. Uh, did some presentations and some one-on-one counseling sessions. But yeah, how about you? Nice. Um, yeah,
0: nothing much for me this week. I had a short week I took off a little bit from work and spent spending more of my time now I've been going to bed earlier and getting up earlier in the morning um, which I've actually found has been really really helpful I've just kind of been pushing past being tired and getting used to a new schedule and um, I'm now trying to get up at 5 30 in the morning as opposed to I was getting up at like 7 30 in the morning before that and doing trying to do an hour and a half of Concentrated work on whatever I want to do. So, this past week, it's just been writing some different things and uh just doing that. And just I find it easier easier to focus, and it sets the tone for the work day. Other than that, I spent I, I did a lot of running this week. I probably did like I did seven miles today, and thinking about doing the Philly nice. half marathon in November. Actually, um, nice. so so yeah, it's been good.
1: Yeah, anything um specific that you've been kind of writing is it more just is it like journaling or is it um does it have any kind of focus to it or just kind of anything that comes to mind yeah kind of it's anything that comes to mind i've been trying to
0: make it easy for myself and so I, I used to try to write more consistently and then i stopped and now i'm just doing whatever comes to mind i mean i have a newsletter that i'm i think gonna try to reboot that has about a couple dozen subscribers to it um the nice thing is you don't really lose those people because nobody checks if you're not sending them email they forget to unsubscribe so i think i'm gonna try to i sent out something this week and it was based off an answer that i wrote on quora which is a website where people post questions and then strangers answer the questions kind of like reddit but i think a little i don't want to say more thoughtful but it's more yeah long form i guess more long form i would say (laughs) yeah Yeah, and yeah, so, so I, I responded to something on there this week and um, ended up turning that into like a little newsletter post where I explained my answer in a bit more depth. Um, so, so yeah, that was, that's kind of how I've been approaching it.
1: Gotcha. Um, do you want to go into that a little bit? I'm not sure that people are kind of interested now that you got, got them on the hook.
0: Yeah, yeah, I will. So I'm actually gonna pull it up so I can um, read it again. But yeah, I was, I was, I hadn't been on Quora in a while. Cora is actually a place a lot of people build online writing careers. That you can you can kind of get into different niches, and if you have expertise and start answering questions, you can kind of build a little bit of a following. Um, anyway, I was just poking around and I saw the um, there was a channel called Career Advice, and I was interested what people were posting in there, and the first thing I saw at the top of the feed was this question, which was, my 18-year-old doesn't have a job, doesn't want to go to college, and is sitting at home all day. What should I do? And I didn't really feel that compelled to answer um, until I saw some of the responses, which I thought were in my... uh, I thought they were, you know, some of them were just, you know, unhelpful at best. And at the worst, some of these were just borderline ridiculous. Um, and I mean, I'm not a parent, so I don't know um, what it's actually like to have a kid. You, you don't know. There's probably so much more to this situation. Um, it's just, this is just a two sentence question. Um, but, you know, there's people, the answers range from, you know, just kick them out, you know, force them to do this, force them to do that to somebody who was even, even saying to, to charge them rent and then get a lawyer involved to evict them when they in, inevitably don't shape up. And I was like, all right, this is kind of comic, comical. Um, all,
1: all negative reinforcement there.
0: Yeah, I mean, some people had some good answers, like, you know, um, more nuanced, but uh, I just wanted to take a stab at it. And I'm not going to read my whole answer because it was pretty long, but what I did say, was that I didn't think punishment or ultimatums would do much good here and it has to do with a bit of a recurring theme of stuff we've talked about which was um, my piece of advice was you, you have to fi- find out what whatever what drives this 18 year old and kind of uh, frame getting a job or getting an education in a way that helps them cultivate their drives and get what they want because there's surely something that they want I don't think very 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 few people are truly just totally apathetic um everybody wants something and I was saying that I don't you know I don't think forcing your kid to just get a job or figure it out on their own or just get any education is really the best thing to do here I mean there's obviously merits to some of that of just like you know going out into the world and and trying to figure it out, there is some merits to it, but if it's done in a way that's almost like punishment, I don't know how helpful that is, Um, and so one of the things that I said was, you know, try to find out what drives them, be open to the fact that what drives them and what what they may actually want to do and what they might be good at might not be something that college is even conducive to which I said is kind of increasingly becoming anything outside of STEM law or a health profession. So my example for this was um, maybe you find out they you know, they love posting on TikTok. And then I said, you know, on the surface, that just doesn't seem like a great use of time. But if you just think about it a little bit more and you learn more about their relationship with, you know, say social media in this example, they might have a, you know a great understanding and awareness of the algorithm and maybe they understand digital trends better than most people or maybe they like an expert on a certain content niche take all those together those skills and knowledge could make them an excellent digital marketer today and you know poised to capitalize on the future of where where media is going social media marketing things like that and uh, they might not even know that option is available to them I'm sure a lot of parents don't know that that option is out there probably vaguely but it's you know so really, it's it's becoming a very common position in every company. And I just thought it was illustrative how, you know, this seemingly, you know, time-wasting activity could actually be something where they're learning skills and working at something, and they might not even know it. Um, so saying to, to kind of look for, like, where does this kid's skills and interests actually intersect with where the future of work is heading? Because there's probably something there. And then, like I said, like framing the situation to be like, you know, get an education because this part is, this will help you actually get what you want. Like if, if the, you you know, they find out the 18 year old's dream is to nurse the sick back to health. It's like, okay, then let's go figure out, you know, how you can get it to nursing or physician assistant or become a doctor or something like that. But whatever it may be, find out what it is and then frame uh, the next actions, in a in a light that, helps them get what they what they ultimately want um i I was saying you know if you just have a you know take a job and education and use them as just blunt objects to smack some sense into your kid they're probably just going to look at those things with disdain um at least for a period of time so um so yeah that that was my that was my response
1: to that um yeah do you think um what do you think? Like the reluctancy is for parents to kind of ride that motivational wave with their kids, because um, I'm sure parents have thought of that, right? Um, do you think there's a reluctance yeah. there, almost like you don't want to? <laughs> I mean, maybe you have aspirations for your kids, and they don't share the same aspirations as you. How much do you think that kind of plays into this?
0: Yeah, I mean that's certainly a problem for. A lot of people um I never really had to deal with that I don't know if you did but it's also probably just generational I mean I think people our age when we have kids and they're become you know college age or you know ready to kind of step out into the world I think just our generation will probably be much more relaxed norms around like what it means to actually craft a, a career and um In education. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm not like super bullish on college on everybody's just going to go to college continuing for the next, you know, 20, 30 years. If it continues at the rate of, you know, just how expensive it is and and how many things you can just learn online by yourself and how many employers now are just not really paying attention to the college degree. Like, you know, you you have companies like uh, Google who now, you know, they're, they're, giving out certificates and hosting courses where they're looking at them, uh, potential job applicants who, who have these, these courses and certificates from these Google mandated uh, courses, um, they're looking at it in the same light and, and on the same level as a college uh, course. So like, hmm. I don't know. I think you're gonna increasingly see that. And uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's probably
1: just generational. Yeah, I think college really at this point just acts as a proxy for um, some understanding of working with others and some degree of um, conscientiousness. Um, I don't think more than that, um, you know, with how watered down some of these college degrees have become, anyways, it doesn't even really guarantee that you've gained a certain foundation of knowledge within. A given field. Um, you know, there's plenty of online classes where the answers to things are up on Quizlet. And, you know, you can get through a whole three credit class without really reading anything in the textbook or watching a lecture. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that it's necessarily uh, going to be the future, like you're saying.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I mean, don't don't quote me on this, because I have no idea what this, what the study actually was. I've just heard it anecdotally that there's there's been research done to show that people who, you know, when colleges make the claim that you know you need this education to get you know this job or our graduates end up you know making this average salary five ten years post graduating. Those people, I think, when you look at it, there, there's been studies show like they would have made that money anyway. Like they would have probably been that accomplished anyway. It's just they were selected for college because they already had kind of like the Traits to be able to do those things, like the conscientiousness, like you're talking about, just the ability to like follow directions, do that kind of rote work. Um, I don't know if there's anything bad with that. It's just pointing it out that like you know, a, a lot of the people who who succeed would have done it with or without college. Most likely, college, you know, is increasingly it's not holding back. It's it's not wisdom is behind or knowledge behind the uh, ivory tower that you can't get anywhere else.
1: Yeah. For most things.
0: I mean, you know, obviously, science and and health and engineering, like that's a totally different story. But
1: Yeah, and I think they've done a study as well. It was of people that got accepted to Ivy League or like Ivy League plus schools, but decided to go to kind of more middle of the road schools, like state schools instead. I think that it was a pretty minuscule difference in terms of earnings. So like you're saying, it kind of factors, it factors in that selection bias that you're talking about. Um, And they really just chalked up the differences to slightly different um, social circles, right? Obviously, you know, Ivy League schools, you know, there's far more people that have just been accumulating generational wealth compared to some of these state schools. So. Obviously, if you're around richer people, you're probably going to make a little bit more money. But they said that the, the difference at the end of the day was really not that much.
0: Yeah, I think I've heard about that, too.
1: And even on the
0: note of, I, I, you know, I don't think we're going to have a world anytime soon where you're going to have doctors who didn't go to college. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. But who knows? Maybe we eventually have some model like the like the, the UK has where. In the UK, if you want to go to medical school, you go right after high school. And I think you just do like six years of college. Um, so m- maybe we'll shorten the path, maybe. Um, being said, like, I know there's there's venture capital funds that invest in people who are kind of like self-made scientists and who are making, you know, engineering innovations, tinkering in their garage who like, you know, young, young people, you know, teenagers and in their early 20s who just, like, skipped college and was like, I'm just going to focus on what I'm interested in and, in, you know, laser technology or, or what have you, you know, self-driving cars. Right. And uh, obviously, he's very smart, driven people. Um, but the point is, like, that avenue is increasingly, too, becoming open.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think part of it, too, is just that we haven't really imagined these... Previously, we haven't imagined these more active, self paced um, methods of learning, right? Like, school is very passive. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say, because of that, um, per minute, you're getting less value on average compared to if you're just self guided. Like, per minute, I think you have a higher retention rate and um, rate of learning, I would say. Um, but the passive way is easier because somebody's forcing you to be there. You know, you're going to fail a class and there's repercussions um, if you don't go to it. Um, I guess, as you would kind of say, that there's skin in the game. Um, yeah. So what, yeah. I wonder, I mean, it really just does come full circle to what you said on other podcast. Like, if you have skin in the game, then you're going to have mo- more motivation to do things on your own.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I, I've said that in my, in my newsletter post. or kind of elaborated on this question. And because uh, yeah, I was saying like I, I felt compelled to answer because number one, I didn't think the answers up to that point were very useful, and then number two, I was saying I wasn't that like motivated or driven of an eighteen-year-old, and I was like, you know, I had jobs, I obviously when I went to college, I always found something to do with myself, but yeah, it wasn't until I had a real interest in the actual outcome of what I was doing that I put put in a lot of work, and it's also just like there's something psychological about it too, because when you really want, when there's some end state to something that you really want, you're just so much more receptive to whatever you're learning and you can feel it. Like it you do, your pace of learning just increases dramatically.
1: Definitely. And then you can also have unique jumping off points that you know the syllabus might not allow for as much. um, Right. If you're spending 10 or 15 hours studying a week on things that people are telling you to study, then you know there might not be as much time compared to if you're self-paced and you can go down whatever rabbit holes you want. Um, in whatever field that you're that you're studying as well yeah
0: it would be interesting I just thought of this if there was some sort of marketplace almost like a fiver or an upwork but for for professors to where you can almost kind of create your own curriculum based off the professors that you hire to learn from because I do think there's value in having a, having a teacher or somebody to guide you like for you know all that gets made of you know all the resources that are you can just find with Google or on YouTube and all the free courses out there and books self learning is still it's still not like an easy thing to do to to discipline yourself and to create a curriculum for yourself that you know you you can have some level of certainty that will hit the right things that you need to get where you're wanting to go it's i think it's helpful to have somebody guide you down that path and and take that bit of work out of it but you're definitely right. I think that you're the permanent value of college or self-learning, you probably get more, more value just doing it self-paced.
1: Yeah, and I think part of this too is just um, kind of relates into making sure that you select a job that's going to put you in like growth situations because I feel like anticipatory learning for a job or a field like doing a degree program is a little bit more of a buckshot right it's not as exacting compared to once you're on the job and there's a specific problem or system that you're trying to solve and then you go and learn about that problem um, that's a little bit more of like a sniper shot if that makes sense so i think anticipatory um, prior to being in those situations is um, a little bit more generalized and you're not going to use as much of that knowledge. Whereas you'll probably encounter um, situations down the road uh, where you'll need that on the job knowledge more and more. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tim Ferriss actually called he similar thing. He calls it
0: just in time learning. So what he says is like, if a book or any piece of information or knowledge isn't going to be valuable or useful to you within at least the next, you know, 3 months, you can pro- you probably should put off consuming it because you're mm-hmm. just going to forget. So he has it's somebody else's concept but he's adopted it. Uh, when he whenever he needs to learn something, he waits until he knows he needs to learn it instead of, you know, obviously, you know, follow your interests, follow your curiosity, if, if you want to just, you know, learn more about whatever and and you feel like doing it, go ahead. But um when it's more goal-oriented, I guess, if, if it's not a goal that's even reasonable for you to achieve or, or something in in a short time period, you, you can probably put off learning what it would take to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's actually a, a great way to kind of cut through um, the list of kind of shoulds. You know, I have so many different things I want to learn about and they become kind of like, oh, I should do this. I should do that. I should learn about this. But yeah, I feel like that simplifies it a lot. Like, will I actually use this in the next three months or am I better off waiting until I actually need to, to learn this to apply it to my job or life? Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, and this kind of this comes into something that I wanted to talk about today as well, which was the um, consistency versus intensity. Um, and it's just a theme that keeps coming up in my nutrition counseling. It seems like, and I think we all inherently know about it and talk about it, but just this framing has been really useful for me. I think that people try to fight consistency problems with like an intensity tool. So what I mean by that is that, for example, lifting weights is a consistency battle. Um, A diet is a consistency battle. Meditation is a consistency battle for none of these things, right? Like nutrition, if you're in a complete deficit and you have no calories in a day, that's not good. If you lift every single weight in the gym today, you're not going to be any stronger really tomorrow or next week, or you're not going to reach your goals tomorrow or next week. And then meditation as well, like you could meditate for 24 hours straight and you know, tomorrow the benefit that you have is not gonna be that much greater. So you're fighting all those things with intensity. Um, and for whatever reason, I feel like just as humans, once we get that motivation, we're kind of hardwired to fight these things with intensity. Um, and I think that the better tool to apply here is just the kind of minimum effective dose and consistency. like. Can you meditate for three minutes um, a day, every single day for the next year? Um, You know, maybe allowing for a few off days to give yourself some slack. You know, can you just keep a 200 calorie deficit for an extended period of time instead of a thousand where you're miserable and no one wants to be around you? And then also, can you just, you know, we, we call it in strength and conditioning, progressive overload. Like, can you just be, Consistent and apply a progressive small amount of overload over time in order to slowly strengthen your body or um, run longer or run faster or increase muscle size. Right. So I think this kind of ties into learning because with self guided learning, you need to have consistency. You can't just read, you know, one book in a day and become a subject matter expert. It's like cumulative exposure over time and creating systems to ensure that you get that learning in
0: yeah no i definitely agree and i actually while you were talking about that i was pulling up some tweets from shane Parrish because i think he has some good uh notes on this and um shane parish for those who don't know is is the founder of the knowledge project and farnham street which is a blog and a uh And a podcast where he just, you know, it's kind of like a Tim Ferriss show type thing. He breaks down just top performers and mental models and all these ideas. But he talks a lot about consistency. Um, And he has this one tweet that I think kind of goes hand in hand with what you're saying, which is um, thinking in decades avoids a lot of bad behavior. Um, And it goes on a little bit more, but I think that's a good point because it's like, it ties in with consistency because if you think in have, if you can take a long-term vision, I think it's easier to be consistent with things um, because you can, you, you can just more easily imagine what the outcome will be if you stick with doing this thing for 10 or 20 years, whatever it may be. And it's so much harder than it sounds to, because um, you're right. You do like with any new effort, you get, so excited to do it and then that excitement quickly wears off and like the excitement is the intensity and then when it wears off that consistency becomes so much more difficult to maintain um is there anything you do personally to maintain consistency with what you do so like maybe spanish for example
1: yeah um so i think one of the things is just being mindful of you know attention and energy are limited capacity resources Right. Like all these self-help books and psychology are honestly kind of bullshit. Um, when they talk about like, Oh, you just need to push more and you need to just keep doing more and all of that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, that might work for some people that can be productive from the time that they wake up till their head hits the pillow. But for the most part, we all kind of have our unique uh, battery in terms of energy and attention. So I think, being aware of that and then realizing opportunity cost as well. So, um, if you realize that by learning Spanish, you need to make a trade off somewhere else in your life, um, you're going to be better off in making sure that becomes a system. But um, where I'm kind of going with this is the way that I have tried to do more Spanish is by creating like a first thing in the morning system. Right, so I'm typically not good at the end of the day. I'm like come home from work, uh, long day, whatever, uh, already worked out and all that, and I'm just zapped. It's just never gonna happen at night. Whether it's Spanish, whether it's you know reading, whatever, past six or seven o'clock, it's it's just a wash in terms of me being um, me being focused. So I really lean on a morning routine and there's some consistent variables in there that I do, let's say on average five to six days a week, um, which is meditation and then uh, journaling slash planning out my day. And then I kind of just stack habits on top of that morning routine that I want to focus on. So for some periods of time, it might be more reading. So I do that right after meditation and journaling Uh, some periods of time. It might be Spanish. So I'll do a 30 minute Spanish lesson. Uh, sometimes it might be, I want to uh, focus more on Spanish vocab. So I might do a, a Spanish learning app, which we kind of covered that discussion in the last um, last podcast. So I think just having an awareness of yourself and then kind of habit stacking or finding a, a time of day that's most realistic to get it in for yourself is, um, is probably the best way. And then also just being flexible with yourself, like being too rigid, like oh, I'm only going to do it with my morning routine. Although I have a 30 minute gap right here to do Spanish if I want to, is uh, is definitely useful.
0: Yeah, totally. That makes sense, and I think it. Um, I think it points to something too, which we kind of talked about last week when we were talking about toxic productivity and, and all these different productivity systems. You can, I mean, you can read a million books on productivity and. know different knowledge management systems and can get very you know theoretical and complex same thing with this type of stuff you know atomic habits great book um all those habits had had really uh quite quite a day in the sun uh for the last couple of years all these like different habits and behavior change that came out and it's great it's great to like educate yourself on that um like you're saying like habit stacking and kind of knowing these things and and seeing what works for you i've just increasingly been thinking that it just comes it it still always boils down to the the simplest simple idea you could and i'm sure somebody has written a new york times best-selling book that is 320 pages long on on the concept of complexity on uh, consistency versus intensity with all these different examples and you know i'm sure like warren buffett is an example of just consistently investing since he was you know 11 years old yeah you know all these compounding the compound effect is probably that that's a book um that people should read but it's probably in the same vein but it's it can still just be boiled down to like consistency consistency versus intensity if you can remember that if you can just whatever it is you want to do if you can uh, find a way to just do it for, you know, 30 minutes, an hour, every single day. You're, you're just, you're going to get better. It's inevitable. Two, two notes on this is one, uh, Sahil Bloom, he was on a podcast recently, the Danny Miranda podcast it was really good. Um, and I'll put it in the show notes and, and some of the other things we've talked about. And what he was talking about is the way he tries to kind of start learning or adopting any new skill is he just does a 30 for 30 challenge where he just 30 minutes a day for 30 days straight. And that's what he just caps himself to. And he keeps it simple. And he's all he has to do is that. And what he's saying is just, it's remarkable. You know, at the end of it, you've put in 900 in a month, you put in 900 minutes of concentrated effort on a new thing. And like, that's nothing to scoff at. That's like, you know, good work. Um, same thing with um the uh tim urban from wait but why it's a popular blog he's a really good writer and he got featured in this youtube video um with i can't remember the guy's name he was one of the producers of, of the show catfish it's not neve Schulman. it's the other guy um i can't remember his name but he uh he wanted to build a reading habit so he made this whole youtube video about reading and how he like doesn't read at all he reads like two books a year maybe and he met with tim urban about it and tim Urban did this whole great thing where he like plotted out like all the weeks in this guy's life and he was just like if you can just allocate 30 minutes a day to reading a, to reading it's the diff- 30 minutes a day and it's the difference between reading like versus just like five minutes or no time it, it's a difference between reading like maybe like a hundred books in your lifetime to like a thousand books in your lifetime. Like it's right. <laughs> so massive when, when it comes out, it's crazy. I'll put the video on the show notes. It's such a cool video. Um, but Tim Urban's great for like, he, Tim Urban doesn't make things too complicated. He's, he's a very straight to the point guy. Like I don't think Tim Urban ever read a self-help book because if he did, it would just be like five pages of him just like explaining it and be like, all right, go fucking do it now. Um, but but yeah, I, I think it's, I think it boils down to that. Um, that's a great point.
1: Yeah, I think also kind of just going on that consistency and, and intensity thing that the thought isn't completely, it's pretty half-baked right now, but I'm trying to think about it. I think, honestly, you should start with a, with consistency and low intensity um, in a lot of things. Um, let's say it's, nutrition, like calorie deficit, let's say, uh, exercise. You don't want to just start out, um, with consistency and, you know, moderate or high intensity or running, um, and many other things. But I think once you start with that foundation of consistency, it's not that intensity is not important, right? Um, if it was just about consistency with reading, you would just kind of not be, um, you wouldn't choose, your books to a, a, a high enough degree, let's say you would um, read anything that comes across. So to increase that intensity, you would be a little bit more um, distinguishing with the books you read or a better example would be exercise, right? You start off with consistency and it's a workout that doesn't have a high level of intensity. It's not a ton of reps. It's not a ton of sets or a ton of weight. It's not a lot of miles run. And then as you go on, you start to increase the intensity, just like with like learning a language, good example as well. Maybe you start off with Duolingo, right? It's a little bit easier in terms of an entry point, but it's not gonna be the thing that ultimately um, has the highest value to help you learn a language. So maybe that 30 minutes turns into 30 minutes of doing a one-on-one lesson with, uh, with a professor, or maybe it's 30 minutes of reading a book in another language. Things that are a little bit harder and have more intensity. But it's not that it's consistency versus intensity. It's kind of a mixture of the both. Um, but consistency definitely comes first. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, no, definitely makes sense. And I think if it sounds abstract for people, you there's probably already places. In, in this fact, there's certainly already places in your life where you can point to where this is true. And it could even just be maybe you maybe maybe it's video games like if you play a video game every day you're probably pretty good at it and you can just think about that so yeah you can see like where it how it actually rings true in your life and then you just have to work to apply it to other things like um you know i i don't i always forget about this but it's like i know a ton about the stand-up comedy scene and it's because i just in my free time listen to a bunch of comedy podcasts i would never think of something that being something i'm consistent with but it's like it is it's something i do every day um so i I know it was weird just like esoteric facts about uh, (laughs) stand-up comedy in 2022 which is like not very useful but it's still a thing that i know um probably more than most people um so that's just one example but um but yeah, it's, uh, you, you can probably find it in your own life. And then it's just about learning to apply it strategically to, um, other things that you want to get good at.
1: Definitely. And maybe honestly, it's, it's consistency, intensity, and then also quality. Um, you know, you could run two miles with the same intensity, but there could be a better movement quality, or maybe it's, uh, the quality of the inputs that you're taking in. Right. Um. You know, if I'm doing something for 20 minutes a day, every single day, and I'm really focusing, uh, but it's not really a super helpful thing for the, my future um, compared to something else, you know, maybe that, that's actually a quality difference. But uh, yeah,
0: um,
1: yeah. Well, there's that concept of, of deliberate practice too,
0: which is, yeah, people should look into if they're interested. It's, it's just the idea of like, yeah, like really focused practice and putting yourself at the edge of your um at the edge of your limits every time you practice so you're actually because yeah you're right there is kind of a dark side to this where yeah sure you could be consistent with something but if you're not really challenging yourself and growing if you're just taking the easy route of being consistent that's also kind of a problem um right so you do have to be conscious about
1: that but so i think you could have deliberate practice which would be intensity but then the quality of the thing that you're deliberately practicing is is poor. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's how I'd kind of think about it. But there's actually, I wanted to come back real quick. Uh, We got to wrap in a few minutes, but you said something about the thinking in decades. And I think I understand where that kind of goes, but would you be able to just, for you, what does that mean in terms of like a good habit versus a bad habit, like thinking in decades. So I want to just make sure that I've kind of got it right mentally.
0: Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I've, I've talked about this before with like Peter Atia's workout program is I think a good example of how he thinks about working out as he thinks about what he wants to be able to do when he's, you know, 85, 95, hopefully a hundred mm-hmm. years old. And that informs all of his workouts and health decisions today so I think that's a good example but you could do it with you know relationships whether it be you know you find out figure out like who in your life kind of you really want to have a long-term relationship with and making sure you're cultivating that you know every day or every week in some way you know maybe just you know a, a, a phone call or like a coffee meetup things like that um, people you know you want your life to be long-term or uh, like we are talking about you know with today with with working out it's like you know if you want to be healthy long-term it, you know it makes sense to build some sort of consistent physical activity into your life and just imagine like where do I want to be at 70 at like possibly dealing with health issues or do I want to you know do I want to have a high likelihood of that or, or a low likelihood of that and it's just when you think in terms of decades it just becomes much easier to uh, make the decision and, and realize like no I, I would like that to be as low probability as possible.
1: Yeah so I guess it's kind of just sitting down and mapping out like okay where do I want to be at 85 and then what am I doing today and is that trajectory going to kind of intersect with that point or not um yeah Yeah. and also kind of bad things as well like I want to avoid x so I'm kind of on the path towards heading there so you know how do I kind of reverse course yeah I feel like something that I, I I really get stuck in like I would say like three to six month time horizons which might be natural but um Yeah, we got to wrap because we're almost done. But maybe we could cover that in another episode, just like longer term kind of planning. Yeah. And mindset. Because I feel like that's a good tool. Yeah, we
0: can definitely cover that next week.
1: Cool. All right. right. Episode four, all done.